We read from the scriptures in Psalm 88. We will read the whole psalm and the whole psalm will also be our text. O Lord God of my salvation, I have cried day and night before thee. Let my prayer come before thee, incline thine ear unto my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draweth nigh unto the grave. I am counted with them that go down into the pit. I am as a man that hath no strength, free among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, whom thou rememberest no more, and they are cut off from thy hand. Thou hast laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness, in the deeps. Thy wrath lieth hard upon me, and thou hast afflicted me with all thy waves. Thou hast put away mine acquaintance far from me, Thou hast made me an abomination unto them. I am shut up, and I cannot come forth. Mine eye mourneth by reason of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon thee. I have stretched out my hands unto thee. Wilt thou show wonders to the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise thee? Shall thy loving kindness be declared in the grave, or thy faithfulness in destruction? Shall thy wonders be known in the dark, and thy righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But unto thee have I cried, O Lord, and in the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. Lord, why castest thou off my soul? Why hidest thou thy face from me? I am afflicted and ready to die from my youth up. While I suffer thy terrors, I am distracted. Thy fierce wrath goeth over me. Thy terrors have cut me off. They came round about me daily like water. They compassed me about together. Lover and friend hast thou put far from me and mine acquaintance into darkness. Thus far we read the sacred scriptures. Beloved, in the Lord Jesus Christ, Psalm 88 has an uncommonly full heading, which gives us a few clues about its author and purpose. We look back at the heading of Psalm 88, it reads, A song or psalm for the sons of Korah, to the chief musician upon Mahalath Lianoth, Maskil of Heman, the Ezraite. It's a psalm written for the sons of Korah and given to the chief musician, and that indicates to us that it was a psalm meant to be sung in public worship, though its content is intensely personal. The sons of Korah were a college of singers in the temple in Jerusalem who were from the tribe of Levi and participated in the worship of the church of that day. The author that the heading identifies for Psalm 88 is a man by the name of Heman the Ezraite. 
Now we don't know for sure who this man was. There are three Hemans who are mentioned in the Old Testament, and it is possible that he is one of these. In the first place, in 1 Chronicles 2, verse 6, we read of a Heman who was the son of Zerah. And Zerah himself was the son of Judah. This Heman was a grandson of Judah. Ezrahite seems to connect this Heman to the tribe of Judah. He was likely a descendant of Zerah. And so it's possible that this, that this first Heman is the Heman of the text. And if that is the case, then Psalm 88 is perhaps one of the oldest portions of the Bible written centuries before Moses was inspired to write the first five books of the Bible. That is a possibility. The second Heman that is mentioned in the Old Testament is found in 1 Chronicles 25 verse 1. And there it is mentioned that David ordained a Heman and his sons to be singers in the tabernacle. And so possibly that Heman wrote this psalm. However, the fact that the heading identifies the author of Psalm 88 as an Ezraite connects him likely to the tribe of Judah. And the Heman that David ordained as a singer was from the tribe of Levi. The third Heman that the Bible mentions, and the one that I think is likeliest to be the author of this psalm, is the one that we read about in 1 Kings 4 verse 31. In 1 Kings 4 verse 31, we are told that there was a man known for his wisdom in the days of Solomon. And this man was so wise that Solomon is compared unto him. And Solomon's wisdom is explained as being even greater than Ethan the Ezraite and Heman. And this, though we cannot be certain, is the likeliest of the three Hemans as the author of this text. And that for a couple of, we- of reasons. In the first place, the time frame would make sense. Most of the Psalms were written by David. And so this man lived during the days of David and Solomon. It fits. Likewise, the content. In many ways, Psalm 88 resembles Job. In fact, you might have picked up some resemblances of Job 19, which we read this morning, in Psalm 88. Job is a wisdom book. And it would make sense that a wise man, perhaps a member of Solomon's court, would have a particular interest in the book of Job Especially given the fact that the author of Psalm 88, as we see, was a man who went through great suffering. And thus the book of Job would have resonated with him. Another small piece of evidence that points to the third option is the fact that Psalm 88 is called a maskil. And a maskil was an instructive psalm, a psalm of wisdom. And so it would make sense that a wise man like the Heman of Solomon's day would write such a psalm intended to instruct us in wisdom. But we can't be certain who exactly the writer is. What we do know is that he was a man who suffered. A man much like Job. A lesser known Job. And he was inspired by the Spirit to write Psalm 88, which is a psalm very different from some of the psalms that we have looked at recently. It takes a very different tone. 
Psalm 88 is a psalm of lament. A lament is an honest cry of a broken heart to God. A lament is the outpouring of a distressed soul before the face of God. Lament is a prayer arising out of sorrow and affliction that casts the sufferer's cares upon the Lord. And that's what Psalm 88 is. But Psalm 88 is not just a psalm of lament. There are several psalms of lament in the Psalter. But Psalm 88 stands out. You can say it is the lament of laments. It is unique even among the psalms of lament. Because of something that is strikingly absent from it. If you read other psalms of lament, and we'll look at another one, Psalm 13, later in the sermon. Usually in the psalms of lament, there is a turning at some point. There is a lifting up of the head such that the psalm concludes on a high and hopeful note. But Psalm 88 doesn't do that. And that's striking. In fact, it's almost unsettling as we follow Heman's words through Psalm 88. And the psalm leads us not upward, but leads us downward, deeper to the abrupt last words of the psalm. Into darkness. Psalm 88 is the prayer of a saint on the brink of despair. Why is such a psalm like this in the Bible? Muscule. Wisdom. There is an important lesson in this psalm for our lives here and now and for our sufferings. And that's what we're going to look at. We're going to consider Psalm 88 under the theme, A Cry from the Lowest Pit. First, considering the psalmist's deep distress and seeing mirrored in his distress something of our own sufferings. Secondly, we'll face the question that Psalm 88 puts before us. Left comfortless? And then lastly, we will see that this psalm is a gift to us. From beginning to end, Psalm 88 is a gut-wrenching lament. It is the outpouring of the psalmist's deeply distressed soul before the face of his God. It is an ongoing cry. It is a repeated cry. It is a cry, a prayer that the psalmist has been making for a while now, a long time now. You get that impression throughout the psalm. This is not a one time cry, but a repeated cry. That's where the psalm begins in verses 1 and 2. O Lord God of my salvation, I have cried day and night before thee. Let my prayer come before thee, incline thine ear unto my cry. O Lord, I have cried this prayer time and time again, and now I bend my knees and I open my mouth and I cry it yet again. Incline thy ear to me, the psalmist says. A big part 
of Psalms of Lament is the psalmist vocalizing his suffering. Describing in intimate detail how he feels as he goes through his suffering. And the entirety of Psalm 88 is just that. It's a description of human sufferings. Really you can say it is an anatomy of the agony of his soul. Verse 3. For my soul is full of troubles. Full to the brim. And as he puts pen to paper, the dam breaks and his soul erupts and bursts forth as a surging flood of words, a cascade of verse upon verse describing the intensest emotions, the feelings of his suffering. He breaks forth before the face of God in lament. Verses 3 through 5, he says, I feel like I'm dying. Indeed, I feel already dead. My life draweth nigh unto the grave. I'm a footstep away from the grave. I'm teetering on the edge. In fact, I am counted with them that go down into the pit. The idea is that the psalmist's inner turmoil and distress of soul was so great that it unavoidably was manifest on his face, in his outward bearing and conduct. Everyone that looked at Heman during this night season of his life could see the distress written on his face, written in his body language, so that others looked upon him and said, there is a man that is going down into the pit. The psalmist goes on, I am as a man that hath no strength. He felt like a shadow of his former self, an empty husk, dead and numb on the inside, spent and without strength, even for life's ordinary tasks, free among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave. He feels cut loose. From everything that ties a man to this earthly life and the joys of this life. He feels like a corpse cast in an open grave. Like a boat unmoored and adrift upon the stormy sea. He gets to the heart of it. Verse 6. With a triad of most vivid descriptions of his deep distress. Thou hast laid me in the lowest pit. In darkness. In the deeps. Three images. That bring to mind. The greatest suffering. And the most forlorn loneliness. In a pit. In black darkness. In the abyss of the sea. That's where he feels he is now. He has sunk so low in his distress. In his sorrow. In his perplexity. And he sees the hand of God in it. He says thou hast laid me. And there is part of his perplexity. Why is God doing this to me? He cries. Why has God put me in the lowest pit. In this darkness. In which I can see no way out. Thy wrath. Lieth hard upon me. Thou hast afflicted me with all thy waves. Here 
is a great, great part of his suffering in the lowest pit. He feels as though God has turned against him and is far from him. And though Heman, like Job, does not make a rash accusation against God, what he is doing in Psalm 88 is honestly expressing what he feels. He is giving an honest expression and pouring out his heart to the Lord. He feels like God is beating him in his wrath with wave after wave of affliction. Compounding his sorrow, verse 8, Thou hast put away mine acquaintance far from me. And that word acquaintance doesn't mean what we usually mean by it today. Someone that you run into time or once in a while. It means those close to me. My friends. Those who love me and those who I love. In the lowest pit. How great a consolation and a help it is to have friends by your side. But even this Heman is deprived of. His friends, those who are close to him, have pulled away from him. Some perhaps have betrayed him. But very likely his friends dealt with him the way Job's friends dealt with Job. They concluded that Job had sinned greatly. And Job became odious in their eyes. They tried to analyze Job and find the cause for his suffering in some sin. Others, Heman's friends, likely simply withdrew from him. He was an abomination to them. And the idea of that word is he was horrifying to look on. They shrank from him. They withdrew. And Heman was left isolated in his suffering. And that's a terrible part of suffering. When you're isolated in that suffering. When those around you pull back. They don't understand. You're alone. I am shut up. He says. And cannot come forth. The lowest pit. And so verse 9 he says I mourn. I cry. That's all he can do. And then as the psalm continues. The psalmist turns from describing his deep distress to voicing questions. And here we see him like Jacob wrestling with God. There is the wrestling of an afflicted soul with the mystery of God's dark and sometimes inscrutable purposes with him. In verses 10 and 11 the psalmist tries to reason with God. He says, Wilt thou show thy wonders to the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise thee? Shall thy loving kindness be declared in the grave or thy faithfulness in destruction? Here the psalmist is not denying the reality of eternal life after death. He's he's not speaking here in the language of precise theology. Lament doesn't use the language of precise theology. This is the logic of the sufferer. What he's saying is, God, time is running out. I am dying in the pit. If you don't relieve me soon, it will be too late. I'll be dead. And how is your name glorified by that? How will your name be magnified in the eyes of other men if they see me, your servant, go down to the pit, unhelped, uncomforted? 
Send your aid. Help me. Lift me up. And with my mouth I will declare your praises before men. And they will see your loving kindness. The dead cannot declare your loving kindness. Or magnify your glory in the land of the living. That's the logic of the sufferer. Time is running out, O Lord. What good is this suffering? How does this serve your glory? I don't understand. It makes no sense. Thus in verse 14, the psalmist gets to that question. Why? Why? Why castest thou off my soul? Why hidest thou thy face from me? It felt to him like... The floor of heaven was made out of granite, impenetrable to his prayers. God's way didn't make sense to him. In Psalm 88, he echoes another suffering psalmist, Asaph, who in Psalm 77 verse 19 cried out to God, Thy way is in the sea, and thy path in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Psalm 88 is a powerful lament. An anatomy of the agony of a soul. Every emotion A human being feels in time of deep distress is expressed in this psalm. Sadness, crying, pain, numbness, weariness, deadness, terror, confusion, loneliness, isolation, guilt, powerlessness, overwhelmed, bewildered, all of it. It's like a knot all tangled together and the psalmist goes from one thing to the next thing and back again. It's the outpouring of a downcast soul. We might wonder what could stand behind such a psalm as this. What was Heman going through in his life that led to writing this psalm? And the fact is we simply don't know. We don't know. We're not supposed to know. There is an inspired vagueness here. Because the Psalms are intended by God to be a mirror of the human soul. A mirror for our own souls. In the Psalms we are meant to find ourselves. And so we are not told What it is that put Heman in the deepest pit. Because there are many kinds of sufferings. Many afflictions. Many tragedies. That can put a person in the lowest pit. And this psalm. Is written for us. It's written for you beloved. It's written for every suffering saint. Here in the congregation. Tonight, it's a word of God that's designed to speak the language of the soul. To speak the language of the sufferer. In the manifold description of the psalmist's distress, there is something every one of us can relate to, isn't there? In one way or another, in one degree or 
another. Everyone has felt at some time and in some way something of the meaning of these words that burst forth on the pages of Psalm 88. Perhaps you've uttered some of these words in your deep distress. Uttered them in your heart or exclaimed them out loud. Perhaps you've stood on the edge of the pit and looked down. Perhaps you have slid a ways down into that pit. Perhaps you've been in the lowest pit. So that you understand the words of Psalm 88 without them even being explained. Perhaps you're in the pit right now. Maybe unlike Heman, you keep it well hidden. You're able to put a smile on and it's an effective mask. And you keep it hidden well, but inside you're in pieces. At the bottom of the lowest pit. And you too feel shut up. So that you can't come forth. If you've ever gone through depression... Or if you're fighting depression, you know what it means when the psalmist says, I am as a man that hath no strength, free among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave. When you've walked through the valley of the shadow of death and lost someone so very close to you, you know what it's like to drop to the bottom of the lowest pit. Where it seems like the light will never reach you again. If you've been wounded greatly by sin. The language of this psalm resonates. Someone who's been betrayed. Someone who's been abused. Knows the isolation of suffering. When others do not understand and friends pull back. When there's been a messy divorce in the family. Or when a loved one has gone terribly wayward. You know and feel what it is when the psalmist says, Lover and friend hast thou put far from me and mine acquaintance into darkness. Maybe it's a Affliction that keeps coming back, it's ongoing. Or there's afflictions back to back and no end in sight. And you, you know what the psalmist means when he says, Wave after wave, they compassed me about together. Or perplexing problems multiply in your life, filling your soul with so many troubles that you're on the verge of breaking down. Or maybe... From your youth up, you've struggled with a mental illness or a bodily infirmity. You say with the psalmist, I am afflicted and ready to die from my youth up. And these are but a few of the very real afflictions God's people struggle with. So what we want to see is that this psalm tackles those things head on. This psalm recognizes those things. This psalm acknowledges the lowest pit. This psalm shows us 
That at times, believers, Christians, God's people do sink into the lowest pit. And their distress gets this deep. Believers get depressed. Christians at times feel distant and cast off by God. Saints go through intense suffering. People of true and living faith go through the dark night of the soul. These things don't just happen to unbelievers or unspiritual people. And the psalm recognizes this reality and that's important. We must recognize that reality. So that we're not shocked when it happens in the body of Christ. And when a brother or sister plunges into the lowest pit, we don't shrink back from such a person as the friends of Heman did. Perhaps not even aware of what they were doing as they looked upon Heman and he was an abomination in their eyes. This is a reality. And if we've been through it, we've been through it. What an encouragement it is to know that the Word of God speaks to it. And the Word of God acknowledges it. And the Word of God addresses it. Consider the psalmist again, Heman. If our identification of him with the Heman of 1 Kings 4.31 is correct, then there's an important application that can be made here. The Heman who wrote this psalm was not only a believer, but he was likely a man endowed with great spiritual gifts. He was a man of wisdom who possibly served in Solomon's court. Such a man was on the top of the world, you might say. And in fact, he was on the top of the world in the best day and age of Israel's history during the reign of Solomon when silver and gold were as plentiful as they ever were. And there was peace for Israel. And yet it is precisely this man at that time who is in this lowest pit. That shows us, for one, that material prosperity and things going our way in this life is no shield against the sorrow of the heart and the dark night of the soul. We need something greater than earthly peace and material wealth. We need the greater than Solomon. Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. And we need the increase of His government which alone saves us from the distress of the soul. Moreover, in Psalm 88, there's there's no indication that Heman was suffering this intense distress because he was living in some unconfessed sin. Yes, there is an acknowledgement in Psalm 88 of God's chastening hand. Sometimes God does chasten for specific sins. But other times God chastens simply to refine His people. There are psalms where you find the psalmist in great distress on account of a specific sin. Think of David in Psalm 32 where he says... That his bones waxed old through his roaring all the day long. That was due to his impenitence. But that's, that's not what we find here in Psalm 88. We're not given the answer why God afflicted this believing man in the way that he did. And pro- very likely, Heman never 
got the answer to why. On this side of glory. God's ways are not our ways. They are higher than our ways. And sometimes they are very hard to understand. But faith clings to that truth. That all things work together for good. And all things must be subservient to our salvation. And we see that in a concrete way. In that God used human suffering. For the writing of this psalm. That it might be a blessing to generations of believers after him. And so, scriptures recognize the reality of the lowest pit, deep distress of the soul that believers sometimes go through. That means, as we recognize that reality, we mustn't look down on those who are in the lowest pit. Or presume to think that because they are there, it must be because they are unspiritual or because they are weak. No, such distressed souls should receive our sympathy, our prayer, our loving support, rather than our criticism. The psalm calls us unto patient, tender care for the suffering in the midst of the church. Those coping with mental illness, those who are depressed, those who have been wounded, abused, hurt, In manifold ways. Those. Whose thinking and behaving. Is changed and even off. Because of what they've gone through. The Bible acknowledges these realities. And gives us this psalm. Which laments. Such realities. So that the soul may be poured out before the living God. So that's the psalm. That's the deep distress that it describes. But now we come really to the the pressing question. As we have read through Psalm 88. Left comfortless? Where's the comfort In this lament of laments. It seems as though Heman is left comfortless. Does this psalm also leave us comfortless? Seemingly so at first glance. You read through it. You read through this anatomy of agony. And you get to the end. And there's not a word of comfort. Where is it? Let's see again that this is what makes Psalm 88 so very different from other psalms of lament. We'll look a moment at at Psalm 13. Psalm 13 is another psalm of lament where David laments the sufferings he is going through. It's a psalm that David wrote as he was on the run from his enemies. And in Psalm 13 we find the, the usual pattern that is followed in the psalms of lament. Usually... It's a process, but eventually the psalmist arrives at comfort. He pours out his soul. He describes his distress. He voices his questions. He pleads for answers. He cries to the Lord with many tears. And then there's a turning. There's a word of comfort. He finds hope again. And the psalm ends on a high note. We see that in in Psalm 13. A very short lament. 
David begins with questions. And the language of the first part of the psalm resembles some of the things we find in Psalm 88. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemies be exalted over me? That repetition of the question, how long? It is an agonized cry of the soul. How long, O Lord? Time is running out. Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemies say I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. There's the lament. But now the last two verses of the psalm. But, but, there's the turn. I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. How very different from Psalm 88. You look back at Psalm 88. And it's as if there's only a single ray of light. And that single ray of light is the opening few words. O Lord God of my salvation. Right at the beginning. That ray of light pierces the dark clouds. But then those clouds quickly converge. And those clouds don't part again as you work your way through the song. As the verses of lament roll out of Heman's soul, it is as if the darkness deepens. And then you get to the end. And the significant, weighty, last word of the psalm. Darkness. Darkness. And the last line of verse 18 is striking. It can be translated in a couple of ways. You can read it either this way. My companions have become darkness. The idea being that all those that Heman was close to have become estranged from him. They are dark to him. But the other way to translate that expression is this. Darkness is my only companion. Haman, rather Heman, felt both. His companions had become darkness to him. And darkness was the only companion that stayed with him. There's the bottom of the lowest pit. He's in that darkness and he can't see through it. And he can't see out of it right now. And the psalm ends right there. One old commentator put it this way. With this complaint, the harp falls from the poet's hands. He is silent and waits on God. That God may solve the riddle of affliction. Left comfortless? At first glance, it seems so. 
The answer is no. Not left comfortless. And we see that when we look at the psalm as a whole and we see what it is doing in the Bible and perceive why it is here. True, we don't find a whole lot of comfort in the words of Psalm 88 themselves. But the comfort is found in the fact that this psalm exists. The comfort is found in the mere fact that there is a psalm like this in the Bible. The Spirit inspired this. The Spirit put this psalm in His Word. And what that indicates to us is this comforting truth. God hears these kind of prayers. God hears a prayer like this. God's ears are open even to the most gut-wrenching and seemingly hopeless lament of one of His people in the lowest pit. God hears. And God does not turn away and reject such a prayer. That's why it's in the Psalms. The Psalms are supposed to be the prayer book of the church, the song book of the church. Each and every one of these prayers and songs is given to us to use, to speak to, and pray to, and worship God. God put this psalm in the Bible to show us even in the lowest pit He is with us. He hears. He does not turn away our prayer. Even when it feels like He does. Haman or Heman felt like God was far from him. He could not see through the darkness. But God was with him. And God did not forsake him in the lowest pit. Even in the lowest pit, we still have a psalm to pray and sing. That gives expression to what is in our souls. That brings before God our cries, our lamentation, our petitions. comfort in this too. Sometimes when you're in the lowest pit, you think you're the only one who's there. or The only one who's ever been there. In the darkness, you can't see anything else. And this psalm shows us someone who was there. Who went through that darkness too. And with whom God was there and helped. And inspired him to write this psalm. To help you. And to comfort you. The very existence of Psalm 88. Is itself a testimony. To the compassion and grace of God. But now in the second place. Comfort. Is seen. In that God preserved the psalmist. The existence of Psalm 88 
proves that God did not abandon Heman in the lowest pit. And God will not abandon you in that pit either. God sustained him. And Psalm 88 is in fact the fruit of God's sustaining grace. The only reason that Heman on the brink of despair did not fall over the brink is that God's hand sustained him. The only reason that he could pour out his soul in this way, in faith, beginning his gut-wrenching lament with those words, O God of my salvation, the, the grace of God sustained him. Even in the lowest pit, the almighty fatherly hands of God are nestled underneath you, holding you up, sustaining you, so that you do not break upon the rock bottom of that pit. There's faith. Faith in Psalm 88. It's like a sputtering flame in the inky gloom, but it's there. And God cherished that flame of faith. And God did not suffer the smoking flax to be quenched. And He will never suffer the smoking flax of His people to be quenched. Not Heman's, not yours. We see the evidence of sustaining grace in this lament of all laments. And then finally and ultimately, the comfort is not that we are not alone in the pit because other saints have gone through it. Saints like Heman have been there. But the comfort is that a greater than Heman suffered everything that Psalm 88 describes and more for you in order to deliver you from that pit and from every pit and from the deepest of all pits, hell itself. Jesus Christ, the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Now you read through Psalm 88 again and you see how all of these words ultimately belong to Jesus Christ. Jesus was afflicted and ready to die from his youth up, as verse 15 says, because he came to be our sin bearer. Surely, he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Go with Jesus to Gethsemane. Hear his words to his disciples in Matthew 26, verse 38, and you will hear the echo of Psalm 88. Jesus said, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. There was the man of sorrows whose soul was full to the brim of troubles. But when Jesus' soul was full of trouble, when his life drew nigh to the grave, when he cried to his father with outstretched hands, it was then that Jesus' acquaintance was put far from him. And Jesus was made an abomination unto his disciples who scattered and fled and denied him. And he was alone in the darkness. Alone. In the darkness, heading into deeper darkness. For on the cross, the next day, Calvary, God laid Christ in the lowest pit 
in the darkness, in the deeps. The wrath of God was hard upon him. God's fierce wrath against our sins flowed over him. God's terrors cut him off. On the cross, into darkness, deepest darkness. Justly, he suffered for our sins and the Father cast off his soul and turned his face from Jesus. And he was cut Cut off out of the land of the living. And though it seemed the disciples were that day left comfortless. Darkness was not the last word at the end of Jesus' ministry. For resurrection Sunday came and the light returned and Jesus arose. Showing that he had overcome death, overcome darkness. On the cross, He descended into the deepest pit of hell and He overcame it. The wrath of God was appeased. Hell was spent. And He brought life and light to His people. Redemption from sin. Everlasting life. And the sure and certain promise that every shadow, all the darkness, all of the pits of this life Never swallow or consume us. They are overcome. Through Jesus Christ. Our Lord. Who rose again. From the dead. And that Jesus. Who was the man of sorrows. Now is and forever shall be. The man of comforts. The compassionate high priest. Touched with every feeling of our infirmity. To whom we can always cry. And there is something. That the afflicted soul. The saint in the pit needs to hear. Jesus is with you. Jesus knows. Jesus gets it. Jesus understands. Even if every other human being in the world doesn't. He's been there. In fact, he's been in a pit lower than any pit you will ever go into. He came out accomplishing salvation and His coming out of the pit guarantees your coming out of every pit. He understands. He hears your cries. He liveth ever to make intercession for you before the Father. And even in the pit, you may rest in Jesus. The riddle of adversity may never be unraveled in this life. The answer to the question, why, may never be found on this side of glory. But we don't need the riddle unraveled. We don't need the answer. All we need is the comfort that sustains us in all things. The comfort of Christ's cross and Christ's empty tomb. That is the light. That even the deepest darkness of the lowest pit cannot extinguish. Christ's cross. Christ's empty tomb. Your comfort and only comfort in life and in death. In prosperity, in adversity. Yes, 
even in the lowest pit. Lord God of my salvation. Faith clings to Jehovah's salvation. Clinging to Christ. We are safe. We are upheld. So we see that this saddest and darkest of all psalms does not leave us comfortless and in fact is a gift to us. It is God's gift to us. A gift to the downcast. A gift to the suffering. A powerful help for believers in times of affliction. A powerful aid to those who are in the pit. God inspired this lament and gives it to us to use. John Calvin commenting on this psalm called it a form for our prayers when we are sorely distressed. It's a pattern for how to pray when we're in the pit. It teaches us to lament. Lament is not wrong. Lament is not an expression of discontent or distrust. Lament is not a lack of faith, but it is an act of faith. To lament, as the psalmist does in Psalm 88, is to pour out your soul before the living God. And Psalm 88 gives us powerful words with which to express our grief and our suffering Powerful words with which to cast our cares upon the Lord who cares for us. It's a pattern of prayer, a gift to the downcast believer, to the suffering saint to be used. So let that be the final application this evening for all of us, beloved when we suffer, when we're downcast. Keep praying. Be constant in prayer. Heman was. Like Job, he did not give up. He did not curse God and die. He did not surrender to the darkness, but he kept crying out to the God of his salvation. You see that in verse 9, Mine eyes mourneth by reason of my affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon thee. I have stretched out my hands unto thee. Keep praying. But now understand, as this application is made, it's not made in the wrong way that this application often can be made. Sometimes it's said this way, just pray and things will get better. The idea being that if you pray hard enough, if you pray often enough, if you pray with enough faith, then God will eventually do what you ask and everything will get better and you'll feel good. The Bible never teaches us that. Prayer is not a formula. It's not an equation where if you get all the parts right, you'll get the answer you want. God is sovereign. And His sovereign hand in our afflictions will work the way that God chooses for our ultimate good. The idea of continuing in prayer is not do it and keep doing it and if you do it hard enough, you'll get what you want. The point is this. Constant prayer. And praying the prayers of lament. Like Psalm 88. Is a God given way. 
in which we unburden our souls and express our grief into the perfect listening ear. And that brings a unique relief. A homely illustration. Every husband here has had to learn this lesson. That sometimes after a rough day with lots of problems, your wife just wants to talk about it. She just wants to talk about what went wrong, the hardships of the day. Not to have all sorts of suggestions how to fix it, but just to talk. And there is a certain unburdening of the soul by talking to one that you love and who loves you. And that's the idea here too. God, our Heavenly Father, is there for us to cast our cares upon Him. To unburden our souls to. And the soul, the distressed soul, the sad soul, the downcast soul is sustained as it unburdens itself to the Lord in prayer. Even if that affliction continues, even if the problem goes on unresolved for a while, in the unburdening of the soul to God, there is a mysterious and beautiful relief. That's what Psalm 88 is for. To unburden the soul. When we unburden the soul by lamenting and pouring out our our hearts to God, there is a certain buoyancy to the soul now. It otherwise would have sank like a rock. But now, it's uplifted. As my cares have been cast upon the Lord. In prayer. So take this psalm, beloved, and make it your own. Use it in times of affliction. It ends with the word darkness. Sometimes it feels that's how things will end for us. But it will not be that way, and it cannot be that way. Because darkness is never the last word for those who belong to Jesus. Jesus is the last word. Rest in Him by faith. Pray and lament in your affliction. Unburden your soul to Him. The only one who can bear those burdens. And the one who has borne your greatest burden already for you. Nailing it to the cross of Calvary. Ensuring your eternal deliverance from even the lowest pit. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank thee for this unique psalm. We pray that thou wilt inscribe its words upon our heart and upon our memories. Though these words are sad and dark, yet they are a gift of Thee to be used in the night seasons of our lives. Be with us, Father, and any here who are going through such a night season. May this word encourage them, and may this psalm be made their own. May their hearts be poured out before Thee, and may there be a blessed relief found. 
in bearing the heart to the God of our salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.